ELC Radio. Hey family, what's going on? This is Pastor Cruz Ramirez with Abundant Living Faith Center from El Paso, Texas. This is the podcast that's going to help you love God and lift and others. Lift others. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. here today. We've been in a new series that's called In It, But Not Of It. And if you haven't heard some of these, I want to encourage you strongly to get on the podcast and listen to these because I believe it's a revelation that God is giving us. The last couple months, we talked about crossing over. And I believe that's a prophetic word that as a church, we're going into uncharted promised area where when we started this thing, there was a picture that the Lord showed us, things we would be doing. And we're about to cross over into that promised season, that promised land, and that building's a portion of that. But as we go forward as a church, you as well need to grab hold of the promises of God and understand and figure out what is it that God pulled you out of Egypt for. Why did God save your life? He didn't save you from drugs, alcohol, sin, so you could sit in church on Sundays and that's it. How many know that'd be boring? How many know that's lame? The only thing different about your life now that you serve Jesus is that you have a place to sit on Sunday mornings. That is lame. That is not why Jesus saved you. John 10.10 tells us why Jesus saved you. And the Message Bible says it like this. He came to give you a better life than you could ever dream of. That's what he said. I didn't say that. That's what he said. So the purpose of serving Jesus is so that you level up. Amen. How many want to level up? Tell your neighbor, level up. We got to level up. But there's a lot of Christians that don't level up. They leave Egypt and they camp in the wilderness. And the wilderness is a place where, yes, you're going to heaven, but you're living like hell on the earth. Sure, one day when you die, you're going to see Jesus again because the Bible tells us in order to be saved, all you have to do is receive Jesus into your life. But to receive all that Jesus has for you is going to take a transformation that the book of Romans calls renewing your mind. And so we're in a series right now that talks about how to be in the world but not be of the world. And this is our text today. John 17, 13, and 18 says this, But now I come to you, And these things I speak in the world, this is Jesus talking, or this is, yeah, this is Jesus talking, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus says, I have given them your words, Father, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Tell your neighbor, I'm not of this world. 
says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into this world, I also send them into this world. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that we are not of this world, that your word tells us that we are sons and daughters of God, that we have been adopted into the family of God, that, Lord, our sins have been forgiven. And, Father, we have a clean slate to live a good life with you. Father, we ask today that, Father, as we preach the word, that you would pull down strongholds. As we teach the word, we would renew our minds so that we can live victorious in a world without becoming of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So that's the goal. Jesus said that you're not of this world. You and I are not of this world. As if we're in him, he goes on to say in another scripture, rejoice because I have overcome the world. And Jesus says, and if you're in me, then I give you the power to overcome the world. And then he says this powerful statement, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the system of the world. That means this, you are on the winning side. There's nothing that you're facing that you can't beat when God is on your side. That includes any addiction. That includes depression. That includes finances. What's up? See, it includes everything. That regardless of what you're facing, if God is on your side, rejoice because he's already overcome the world. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But see, some of us don't read the Bible, don't understand the Bible, and we're still on the wrong team trying to come to church trying to hang on to that old team. Let me tell you something. Get off that team. They ain't winning like the Raiders. I know. Pray for me. Love God, lift nations. The Raider Nation, we need a lift. Santo. Listen, we're, some of us, we're still playing on the wrong team. We're so worldly and we defend our worldliness. Well, there's nothing wrong with me having a drink. Well, there's nothing wrong with me hanging with my friends after work and going to the bar and talking. Well, there's nothing wrong here. Well, there's nothing wrong here. See, what's wrong is your thinking. Let me tell you something. Religion will get you focused on right and wrong. Most religious people, they're consumed with what's right and wrong. Well, if I'm not doing anything wrong, then I'm good. Eh, wrong. Because did you know that God never designed his relationship with us to be about right and wrong? It was never in the equation. It was never in the equation. God is not interested in you doing right or wrong. Okay? You know what he's interested in? He's not interested in you knowing right and wrong. He's interested in you knowing him. Him. You'll, you know you're religious when you just want to follow the rules. I'm going to church. I'm giving my tithe. I serve. I do all this. Now, where's my blessing? Man, your heart is jacked up. You don't get it. You, you, you're still carrying that religious spirit, that denominational thing with you that you think it's, it's, it's if I do right, I get right. If I do wrong, I get wrong. No, 
Here's what it's about. Knowing Jesus. Go back to the garden. What did Jesus, what did God tell Adam and Eve? He told them, listen, you can have every tree here. Everything, all the trees, eat of them all, enjoy them. How many know that would have been cool? Because I bet you there were some trees that we don't have anymore. Might have been a blueberry pie tree. Oh, come on, somebody. (laughs) Might have been a cupcake tree. Oh, we could dream, can't we? Amen. And he said, hey, check it out. You can have all those trees, but don't touch this tree. You know what that name of that tree was? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was the tree of the knowledge of right and wrong. Isn't it interesting how we always want to run to the rules? What is it going to take? How do I get my blessing? One, two, three steps. We need to learn to run to Jesus. Because Jesus's concept was, I don't want you to follow me according to rules. Just know me. So God builds the, he makes the garden. He says, eat of every tree, but leave the tithe. Ooh, here we go again. Did you know the tree was the tithe? Did you know what they could not do is leave the tithe alone? They ate the tithe. Some of us eat the tithe. And that, ten, that one tree represented this principle of giving God something. Even in the beginning, before the law, it represented leaving something for the Lord. But guess what happens? Satan comes. And he tempts man by saying, oh, you need to eat of this tree. You know why? Because when you eat of this tree, you'll know what God knows. And they couldn't stay away from it. And it was all about knowing, I want to know what's right and what's wrong. No, let's change our mindset. Let's know Jesus. And let's let him lead our lives. Isn't that what the new covenant is about? Being led by the spirit of God, not just knowing the rules. Amen? We need to get back to that. We need to get back to understanding this thing is not about rules, but knowing Jesus. And in knowing that and in doing that, we lose that religious spirit. Amen? You guys want to lose a religious spirit? Listen, don't be tired on me. You got an extra hour of sleep today. How many enjoyed that today? Man, see, we're lucky our phones reset automatically, right? You know, back in the day, if you didn't set your alarm, you was all jacked up. Some of you came to church and didn't even know the time changed. Like, oh, yeah, it changed. It changes on its own. But listen, we have to understand that this thing is about knowing Jesus, okay? And there's so many of us that want to still stay on the side of the world, and we defend our sinfulness. We defend the, the, this, this love to be like the world. And some of us might even call it, well, I'm being relevant. Well, you know, I just don't like church people, and I don't, you know, I don't like people in general, and I want to do my thing. Well, you need to meet Jesus. And you need to really get saved. Because, see, if you just keep following the rules, then you approach Jesus like this. Oh, what do I got to do to get to heaven? Oh, say a prayer. Okay, I'll say the prayer. Oh, what do I do now? Oh, go to first steps. I'll go to first. Oh, go to this. Okay, I got to serve now. Okay, and boom, boom, boom. And then you're waiting for your blessing. And when the blessing don't come or something bad happens, then we get mad at God. And then we say, it don't work. It don't work because you ain't doing it right. Nobody said it was about rules and right and wrong. It's about following Jesus. And when you're in Jesus, you're on the winning side. But some of us, we want to hide our allegiance to that other team. You know, we're still tipping and tapping, still going out, still doing things that we shouldn't do. 
And listen, it's not an issue about, you know, do, being right and wrong, but Jesus made it very clear. Listen, he said, if you love me, keep my commands. That's what he said. Remember, his love language is obedience. And how much do we choose disobedience as long as nobody finds out about it? That's that religious thing. Amen. So, so we're talking about being in the world, but not of it. So we need to know Jesus. So Jesus says, I give you my word. And look at some things we learn here from John 17, 13 through 18. The first thing we learn here is that Jesus says the words of God create joy in you. The word of God creates joy in you. He says this, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Some of you need to understand that depression is a spirit. Depression is also a stronghold. And what you need is not more activity or escape. Check this out. The word of God can give you joy. And do you know what the counterfeit of joy is? Entertainment. Now, I love entertainment. How many love to be entertained? Amen. I like watching movies because for two hours, I could put my life on hold and be into what's happening on the screen. Amen. It's a good thing. Amen. As long as you ain't watching crazy stuff. But it, entertainment is, is an okay thing. I like to go to sporting events, except Raider games. <clears throat> Still hurts. <sighs> I like sporting events. It provides entertainment. Gives me a little escape. Can forget certain things at times. There's nothing wrong with these things. But if you allow entertainment to overtake you, people that allow video games, and I'm not against video games, or movies, and I'm not against movies, or music and entertainment, it's got to constantly be entertained. It's because they're depressed. It's because they don't like their life. Because somebody did something to them because they're escaping. It's the same thing that drew, draws people to alcohol and weed and drugs. We're looking for the counterfeit when the Bible tells us what the real is. Fill yourself with the word and it gives you joy. It gives you joy. I was listening to the word. Uh, I was taking a shower the other day and my wife was getting ready and I was listening to the word and she was listening to it too. And I, and I came into the bedroom and I was cracking jokes and she was laughing at me and she goes, what is up with you? Weren't you just listening to preaching? I said, yes, but the word gives me joy. And I was being all silly and stuff. And, it, and I realized it does. When I'm full of the word, Amen. listen, I'm a better person to be around. My kids will tell you. Dad needs to go read the Bible. Well, y'all need to read the Bible too. Amen. It's true. The word is joy. It's joy in the word. Jesus said it. Can Jesus lie? No. Okay, let's keep going. What else does it say? It says the system of the world and the things of the world hate what is of God. He said, I've given them your word and the world has hated them. That word hate talks about being against. We also read last week a scripture that says the carnal mind is an enemy of God. So you need to know this. The world, the system of the world and the things of the world do not like the things of God. So guess what has to happen? We have to retrain our carnal mind. And some people never do that. That is why they can come to a church with a dynamic speaker like myself, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and they still fall asleep. 
and they still can't wait to get out of here. I mean, I could get up here and do cartwheels and show videos and bring out circus clowns and try to try to communicate the word to you. But they still won't like it because the carnal mind and the world is an enemy of God. It's an enemy of God. And so pretty soon what will begin to happen if you don't address that, it'll pull you right out of church. And this is how you'll talk about church. Yeah, I went to church, but church is lame. Could it be that what's lame is your mind? And your mind is so worldly that when your worldly mind comes in contact with the spirit, it's against it. That's what the Bible says. It says the world hated them because of the word. So here's what has to happen. Guys, I experienced it. 19 years old. I get saved. Capital Christian Church. I walk up to the altar. At church seats about 5,000 people. I look around, and it's like somebody spilled some chocolate milk because I was the only brown person right there in that section there. (laughs) I looked around, and I said, okay, I don't care. I want Jesus. And I went back the next week, and they sung songs like this. Then sings my joy. My, you guys remember those songs? How great thou art. Once again. Kid you not. I get out of my car. I'm listening to Boys in the Hood on the way there. Dun, 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 dun. Come on. Some of you can quote it. Listening to easy, coming to church. I get in church. Then sings my soul. Sitting on the second row. My mind is freaking out. I don't like this. I don't like this peep, these people I'm sitting around. I don't like that dude singing like he's, you know, an orchestra director. I don't like how I got a dress to come in here. My, my mind, my worldliness, the system of the world in me, rejecting the things of God. But you know what I did? I said, Jesus, I want more of you. And I'm going to stay in this thing. I'm not going to let my carnal mind push me out. So I came the second week. The next week I came, I think I told you this story, I sat on the front row. I sat in Pastor Cole's seat. <laughs> Ushers came over to me, oh, sir, you can't sit there. I'm like, why? Because I'm brown? No, 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 that's Pastor C. Oh, okay, sorry. You know. I didn't know as I went over and sat on the side over there. But my point is this. When I first got saved, listen, I didn't like everything either. I thought the word was boring. I thought the music was boring. I thought the people were boring. But guess what I had to do? I had to find Jesus. And as I got more into Jesus and I got my mind renewed, I started pushing out the worldliness and embracing the things of God. How many know what I'm talking about? It takes effort. It's like the story of the woman that had the issue of blood. The Bible says she pushed through the crowd. Wasn't nobody helping her. Wasn't nobody helping her. She had an issue of blood in her, and the Bible says there was a multitude around Jesus. She's crawling on hands and knees, pushing jokers aside. I'm sure she's getting some kicks down there, people kicking her. What's this lady doing out here? Get out of here. Pushing her down. She pushed through. The Bible says she grabs Jesus's robe. And he stops and he says, man, somebody touched me. The disciples said, what are you talking about? Somebody, everybody's touching you. 
They said, no, but somebody has made a withdrawal on my spirit. That's how we got to be. That's how we got to be. Quit making excuses and understand this. Things are going to push you from God. Young people, the, the more you're into the world, the more you're into the things of the world, the music, the ideologies, the culture, it all hates God. And what I mean by hate, because nobody will say they hate God, they oppose. Let's say that. They oppose God. Amen? And so the more you're immersed in it, the less you like the things of God. And you will blame God. You will blame the church, because I did. Oh, well, you know, church is just so boring. Church is just so this. Listen, I get it. There are some out there. I went to a funeral recently. I was wishing I was in the casket. It went on so long. It went on. This was a while ago. This actually was a while ago. It's been a while since I've been in a, like a denominational uh, uh, funeral. But I went to this one. A friend of mine was in a denomination, and I went, and man, it, was, it hurt. I was crying in the pew, and people thought I was being touched by the Holy Spirit. I was just like, no, this is boring, man. This is killing me. <laughs> so, so I get it. There is boringness in sometimes things like that. But sometimes you got to push back on that and identify, listen, what is it that's resisting God right now? Because so many people want to find God, they just don't want to change teams. And in order to change teams, you got to do one thing. you got to repent. you, you got to repent means you got to leave your old ways for the new ways. What are the new ways? The word of God, okay? Let's keep going here. Are you guys getting something today? So the system of the world hates God. The other thing the scripture tells us there is we're not called to hide from the world, but we're called to go into the world. Amen? Amen. You know, I said this before, old systems of Christianity, everybody leaves their worldly friends and they're in church on Sunday. They're at Damas on Tuesday. They're at Oración on Wednesday. They're at worship practice on Friday and they're at youth on Saturday. And because we're staying away from the world. And when they do that, guess what? Nobody gets saved. And that is not what we're called to do. We're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Can I get an amen? And then the last thing it says here in that scripture is this. The word sanctifies you. And that word sanctify, he said it there. Uh, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. And your word is truth. Guess what? The word sanctifies you. You know what the word's supposed to do? Separate you. You ain't supposed to be like the, your, those jokers at your office. You ain't supposed to be like the boys in the hood that you hang out with. You ain't supposed to be like others. The word has a way of separating you. And I know young people, you don't like that because you want to go in the way. You want to flow with everybody else. You want to be on there too listening to this or you want to be out there doing that. But let me just tell you, there's a price to pay to be on the way, the way of Jesus. And what that is, is you got you to submit to some separation. The word changes you from within. It makes you different. But listen, it's not a bad different. It's a better different. I want to be different if the different makes me better. Amen. I want my marriage to be different because the different of God's marriage is a better marriage than people that don't have God. Amen. I want to have a better life. If the life I'm going to have is different, let it be better different. Amen. Like I told you when I was single, I was single eight years, but my life was still better than jokers that were over here doing their thing. Why? The word sanctified me and separated me. 
But here's what you need to know about sanctification. Sanctification is for a purpose. What does it mean when you separate something from the rest? It means you have a plan for it. It means this is special. I'm going to do something with this thing. Amen? How many know there are things in your house you've sanctified? You went to a store. You saw it on the shelf. You inspected it, and you said, I'm taking this one. This one's going home for me. That's all the word it does for you. It pulls you out of the muck and the mire, the clay. It pulls you out of the world, and it sanctifies you so God can give you a better life like it says in John 10.10. But what happens when a whole, whole bunch of people resist the sanctification process? They stay messed up with everybody else. Amen? This is a word for somebody. Some of you, you've been fighting the sanctification process. You can't let go of the world. You can't let go of doing those things. You don't want to, you don't want to change. I ain't giving up my weed. I ain't giving up my alcohol. I ain't giving up my homies. Uh-uh, I ain't doing none of that. Uh-uh. If I'm going to serve God, it's going to be on my terms. Stay in the wilderness. There's a lot of churches that will pat you on the head, take your money, sit you in a chair, and go through life with you like that. A lot of them. But you know what? This ain't one. Because what we want to do is I want to raise up a If I'm going to lay down my life, if I'm going to put my family through what we have to go through, it's going to be so people can touch Jesus. Like for real, for real. Like for real. Like God, you could do what you want to do with my life. As long as you bless folks that are here. As long as their life gets better and their marriages are better because of my life, do what you got to do, God. That's my prayer. That's why I I teach and preach like this, because I don't want you to just snooze on by because you're missing something incredible that Jesus saved you for. Is there some pain involved? Absolutely. Is there some sanctification, some separation? Absolutely. You got to be the one guy that doesn't do something everybody else does. It's what it is. I still get invited to parties and I'm the only dude that ain't, ain't with a beard. And you know what? That's what it is. Amen. I still get get invited places for my friends, my cousins, you know, my deals and stuff. They get together and I'm the only one there with no beer and I ain't laughing at the stories they're telling. Do I feel awkward sometimes? Yeah. But you know what? It is what it is. Sometimes I go, sometimes I won't. But I can't apologize for the life that God has given me because it's different, but it's better different. And so we have to ask ourselves and we have to understand you're never just going to like the things of God until you renew your mind. I hear people tell me this all the time. I just I can't I can't listen to Christian music. I I just I just can't listen. I was one of those cats, but I had to push through. I had to push through. I had to dig. I had to find. I had to get in there and understand the things that are in my mind are anti-God because I got them from the world. And I had to learn how to reprogram them and, and develop new appetites in my life. Amen? Amen. And, 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 I'm a, and I, all these areas you're going to have to work out. But understand this. The key is this. you got to get the word. That's why I can't just get up here and preach nice little sermons about, you know, be kind to animals. You laugh, but I was listening to a preacher one time, and that was one of his points. I said, Really? What are we doing now? After school specials at church now? Another guy, I heard a message one time when Peter got up. You need to put the cart back after you go grocery shopping. It is good. That's what we preaching now? 
We got to tell folks to put the cart back. You should put the cart back, by the way. Amen. <laughs> but, but, that, but that's where we're, that's the level of church we have in now that we just going to have to like, you know, no, we've got to get the word. Amen. So can I give you some word before I let you go in the next 10 minutes? Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. And this is what I want to leave you with today. Jesus is speaking here in this scripture and he says this. Now, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as servants and harmless as dove. Hold on, hold on. You, 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 ever, you ever read a scripture and go, Err. that's like, okay, you love me, right, Jesus? Yeah. You came to give me a better life than I could ever dream of. Yeah. You take away all my sins. Yeah. Then why in the world are you sending me into a world as a sheep where there's wolves all around? Anybody ever think about that? We got all these, I love you, son. I love you, scriptures. I got all these, and I, and I like those scriptures. Thank God for them. But then you come across a scripture where Jesus issues a warning. Your heavenly father, your daddy, your Abba God, he tells you this. Behold, I'm sending you as a sheep in the midst of wolves. People, we can't read these scriptures and just steamroll them like they ain't there. Jesus is making a clear declaration here. And, and he, didn't, he doesn't only do it there. In John 17, we read it too, where he says, I do not pray that I should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. That's kind of crazy too. Okay. No, no, no. Jesus, help us. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. You're good. But Jesus, there's an evil one right over here. I got you. Just stay in the fight. Interesting, interesting scriptures. He says this in that same scripture, John 17, they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, also I send them into the world. And then he tells us in Matthew 10, behold, I'm sending you a sheep, gentle, not too smart sheep. If you, if you study sheep, you understand they don't have a very large brain. Into the, in the midst of wolves, wolves are very aggressive. Wolves are very fast. Wolves are very ferocious. Wolves can kill you and have teeth. Imagine you taking your son or daughter, your four-year-old little son. Imagine my wife and I, when Diego was four, taking him to the, to the field and going, come here, buddy. I'm carrying him on my, you know. And there's a big pack of wolves in the, in the distance. And I go, go ahead, Mijo, go play with the dogs. <laughs> go ahead, Mijo, go ahead. You wanted a dog. Mira, you wanted a dog? There's a dog. Go get your dog, Mijo, right there. Kind of what Jesus is doing there. You guys see that? Are you, I'm just reading the Bible. Behold, I send you a sheep in the midst of wolves. Interesting scriptures. Now, let, let me show you another one in John 16, 5 through 13. Jesus is also talking here and he says, but now I, I go away to him who sent me and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And here's what he says. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment, and of sin. Hold up. Hold up. So Jesus has given us all these warnings. Guys, I'm sending you into the world. The world's going to hate your guts. Your sheep in the midst of wolves. And then he drops this on the disciples. Oh, and by the way... I got to go too. I got to go. And they're like, wait a minute. Where are you going? 
And he goes, I've been preaching this to you for three years. I told you I'm leaving eventually. He goes, but check this out. It's better that I go because what's coming is better than my presence that's, that's here right now. Have you ever thought, man, it'd be so cool if Jesus was still in the flesh on the earth? You ever thought about that? Like it, how cool it would have been if he would have just stayed and set up a castle in Jerusalem. And if you wanted to go talk to Jesus, you could go to Jerusalem and try to set up an appointment and meet him face to face. I mean, how many of us haven't thought or dreamed of meeting Jesus face to face? But you know what he said? He said, nah, that's not good enough. I got to send the Holy Spirit because it's better that you have him than me in the flesh. What? It's better that I go away and that you get the Holy Spirit because remember, you're going to be amongst wolves. Remember, you're going to be in a world where they're going to hate you because of my word. Remember, you're going to be set up, and because you love church and you love God, everything that is of the world is going to fight you. So if I stay, y'all are toast. The thing that's going to get you past the wolves, the thing that's going to have you overcome a world system that hates you is the Spirit of God. And he calls him, listen, he calls him the helper. He calls him the helper. He says, the helper is going to come to you. Look what he says. He says, the helper uh, will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my father and you'll see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. And I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. Hold up. Aren't the words of Jesus important? But he says, I can't even talk to you guys anymore because without the help of the Holy Spirit, y'all ain't going to get it. And do you know I've sat up here on a, on a Sunday morning sometimes and I preach the word of God that I've got straight from his presence and I look into this congregation and I just sit there and I see some of us and I go, they ain't getting it. They ain't getting it. What is the missing ingredient that helps a person understand the word of truth that Jesus himself said, I can't even preach to you no more because you cannot bear the truth. However, when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of the things to come. So the Holy Spirit's telling you this right here. Hey, listen, you might not get it all right now, but when you get the Holy Ghost, when you get the Holy Spirit, it's all going to make sense. And so what happens when you read the story? Jesus leaves. These guys, he, he tells them one more thing. Let's look at, look at look what else he tells them here. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. In this account here, he begins, we begin to see what happens. But before this account, you know what he does? He tells the disciples this. He says, hey, I'm leaving, but go to Jerusalem and don't do anything until the Spirit gets there. The helper comes. Interesting. Interesting. I'm, I'm setting you up. I want to send you home with a thought here. It's interesting that Jesus says the key to living a Christian life is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. He says the odds are stacked against y'all. The system of the world hates you. It can eat you up like wolves, but don't trip because I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And how many people neglect their relationship with the Holy Spirit? How many of us don't even really understand the Holy Spirit. 
and we trying to navigate the system of the world, trying to navigate our marriage, our kids, our lives, our money in a system that hates you. The key is the Holy Spirit. So check out what happens here. Uh, Acts chapter 1, 4 through 8. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit for many days from now. Hold up. This is what boggles my mind in America today. Because basically what Jesus is doing, he's saying, don't try to do anything in the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. And we got whole churches, whole movements, whole denominations that don't even believe in the Holy Spirit's power today. But Jesus himself said, don't do anything till you get filled with the Holy Ghost, until the promise comes. Because here's the, here's the connotation. It's impossible without his power. And how many of us in here have been facing life, hitting our head up against a brick wall? Nothing's working. Nothing's changing. You can't change your addictions. You can't change your desires. You are always on the other side of a breakthrough, never going through. Every, nothing's working. Nothing's getting better. Could it be you're missing the most important ingredient, which is the promise of the Father? So he says there, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at that time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You guys see that? Now, what does that word power mean? This is where we've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to clarify this. This is where teaching comes in because for many years when we thought the power of the Holy Ghost, what was the power for? See, my grandfather pastored churches and built churches where to them, and some of you know, the only power they saw was when somebody caught the Holy Ghost. Come on. Ding, 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 ding. As somebody runs, someone starts vibrating. One of the hermanas, always the same hermana. How come she's the only one getting the Holy Ghost every service? And that same hermana goes into her, and everybody looks around, and the visitor's going, what's going on? She's catching the Holy Ghost right now. Amen? You guys have ever seen that, heard of that? I've been in churches where when the Holy Spirit fell in a church, people ran around the building. They, they did. They ran around the building. And check it out. They had to do it with their eyes closed. Because if they did it with their eyes open, brother, you're in the flesh. So you saw dudes run into church furniture? In the name of the Holy Ghost. The power of God fall. Dude takes off running. He's got his eyes closed. How many know you can't run with your eyes closed? So he clips himself on the pew, falls down, starts shaking like he meant to do it. And somebody says, what's going on? And another person says, that's the power of God. Oh, yeah. Some of you know what I'm talking about. That's why you laugh. Others of you go, think like I'm speaking a scene from a movie. Because it's, it's like, what is that? But some of y'all know it's true. It's, that's, that's what they thought the power was for. But do you know what one of the definitions of power is? Let me, let me define this for you. I'm going to close here. Power means this, the ability to get results. The ability to get results. Power comes to produce something. 
See, some of the old Pentecostal churches, they thought power came for a good church service. And guess what? Everybody left the same. That lady that was given that tongue and interpretation, she still went home and yelled at her kids. She still went home and beat her husband. I'm getting too specific right now. I'm having flashbacks. That person that fell on the ground vibrating still got up and cussed somebody out at the Walmart on the way home. See, that's not power. That's manifestation. That's not power. And some people moved away from the Holy Spirit because they saw some of that stuff. Now, can I just tell you, some of that stuff happens, y'all. It does. I've been in a church where the Holy Spirit hit me, and I ran. Boom. I was on the front row, and the Spirit was moving. We had this guy preaching, and I just couldn't take it no more. I was, like, getting sick. I just did a lap. Everybody's walking, watching me run by because it wasn't a lap-running church either. It was like, what's he doing? It would be, like, be like if Mondo just took off right now, started running around. They had, they would have that same. They looked at me like, what's he doing? I came right back to my chair and that, and the pastor came and he took off his jacket and he hit me with it. And I fell down on the ground. Boom. But you know what? I got up different. I got up different. Two weeks later, they asked me to, to, uh, to take a, to plant a church for him in the city of Gainesville. See the power came. What is power? The ability to get results. I planted a church with that. Are you guys seeing? But do you know what most people do? They experience the power, but they don't do anything with it. So what happens? Nothing. It's not power. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Power means the ability to get results. So every time you see power in the book of Acts and it says, and the power of God fell, read it like this. And the ability to get results fell. And they took it into the world. Are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? That's the power we need. What is the power you need this morning? Maybe it's the power to abstain from sex if you're single. Maybe it's the power to be faithful to your spouse. Maybe it's the power to stop drinking. Maybe it's the power to break addiction. Maybe it's the power to overcome the past. Are you guys getting the picture? It ain't happening until the power comes from the Holy Spirit. We got to start crying out for the power to hit our lives. What is it God's calling you to do? You can't do it without the power. Where does the power come from? The Holy Spirit. Amen? You got to start hungering and thirsting for the Holy Spirit. And I don't understand Churches, and I know some of us come, have come from other churches where there's not an emphasis, an emphasis on the Holy Spirit because Jesus was making it super clear. Don't do nothing because it won't be able to get done without the Holy Spirit. Man, we got churches where, and you've been around them too, and I pray that we don't become one where everybody in the church is just as jacked up as people in the world. And even though word is being preached, nobody has the power to perform it. I could preach about having a good marriage all the day long. But guess what? Until you experience the power, the ability to get results, it ain't happening. Are you guys tracking with me? Remember, the system of the world hates God. Here's a nugget for you. Marriage comes from God. Guess what the system of the world hates? Marriage. And you trying to have one without God. Ain't going to happen, baby. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. We've got to contact 
and connect with the Spirit of God if we're going to be in it, in the world and not of it. We want what he says there in Acts chapter 2, the power to be baptized with the Holy Spirit many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, you know times and seasons that the Father has put in his own authority. But he says this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. He says this in Mark chapter 16, 15 through 18, and you need to learn these scriptures. And he said to them, Jesus talking here, his last words in the book of Mark, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and they will drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Let me leave you with this last thought. I want to let you go, but you got to catch this. He includes in here, they will cast out demons. Well, I don't believe in demons. You need to read your Bible. Can Jesus lie? Can Jesus lie? But yet they'll teach you in school that the spirit realm is not real. Some people don't even believe in demons anymore. I can't subscribe to that because Jesus talked about demons. But if I tell somebody, hey, you're struggling with an evil spirit, they look at me like I'm crazy. When I'm only following the pattern of Jesus, who made it clear there are demons and they need to be cast out. Did you know you need to cast demons out your house sometimes? Out your spouse sometimes? out your kids sometimes. And every parent said, amen on that. (laughs) Out your office. Out your job. Out your life. Just reading the Bible to you, but you got to catch this now. You got to catch this. He says they will speak with new tongues. That word tongues there is is the word glossolalia in the Greek. It means language. He says this, they will speak with a new language, with a new language. Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all there in one accord, one place. And suddenly there came a sound of heaven from a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared unto them divided tongues, or glossolalia again, languages, as on fire, and one sat upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages, tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together, and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. It's interesting to me that when the Holy Spirit comes to earth and manifests for the first time, he gives out a gift Remember, we always talk about this during the offering, that when you're in the presence of a king, you come into the presence of a king and you bring something. And when the king is always inclined to give something back to you. So here these 120 disciples were waiting on the Lord as an act of worship. You know, did you know the Bible says there were more than 120 that started out? 
they estimate upwards of about 400, 500 people started. But some of them left. Maybe they said, we don't need this. I got Jesus. That's all I need. They went home. Maybe some of them said, this is weird. We all up in this room. 50 days after Jesus died. I don't know. I can't take all this. This church service is going too long. I got stuff to do. So they left. But 120 stayed. Acts chapter 2 tells us a rushing mighty wind filled the house where they were sitting. From the top of their heads to the bottom of their lungs. Everybody. They was praying in tongues. And it was early in the morning, just about nine. People said these men are full of new wine. But Peter stood up with the whole darn crew. He said, these men are not drunk like some of you. Man, it's the Holy Ghost sent from the heavenly host. I don't mean to brag, don't mean to boast. I know the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I call him Jesus, the rock of my salvation. He can help you out in any situation. He came. The Holy Spirit came, and guess what he does? He starts handing out gifts. You get a gift. You get a gift. Come on, Oprah. You get a gift. You get a gift. And pretty soon, every 120, they're speaking in another language. And the Bible says this. They ran out into the street. The thing just took over. They're out in the street, and people are there from all over the world. And it says this. They heard them glorifying God in their own language. Here's been the dilemma all these years. People say, well, were they, were they speaking in those languages? It doesn't say that. It says they heard other languages. So the disciples could have been praying in tongues, but this dude over here from Japan, he's hearing it in Japanese. And the other, uh, Peter's praying, and this lady right over here is hearing it in Spanish. And this dude's from Egypt. He's hearing it from Egypt. This person's from, from Thailand. He's hearing it in Hmong. And there's always been, were they speaking other languages? Could be. But the Bible says they heard it in their language. But what happened that day is something came back to the earth. You got to catch this. Something came back to the earth. I know I'm going a little long, but look, you need to look at this. Genesis chapter 11, 1 through 9 says it like this. It's the story of the Tower of Babel. This is way back in Genesis, y'all. God hasn't even made a covenant with man yet. Abraham hasn't even showed up. And the Bible says here that the Lord came down to check on men. This is after the fall. This is after the Garden of Eden. And the Lord says, indeed, the people are one. They all have one language. What language do you think the people spoke in Genesis chapter 11? Some people say, well, it had to have been Hebrew because, you know, well, well, hold up. It couldn't have been Hebrew because God doesn't meet Abraham until the next chapter. Could it be that the language that Adam and Eve spoke, that they passed on to their kids and the next kids into this time where they're all under one language, could it be that it was the language of heaven? Could it be that they spoke in other tongues like we do today? 
And look what it says. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. They all have one language. This is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let's go down. Let's confuse their language so they may not understand one another's speech. You know what's so powerful about this? That he didn't go down and break everybody's arm. He didn't go down and make everybody a cripple. He didn't go out and take their brain power from them. You know what he did? He took their language. And he said, if I just take this powerful language that makes them one away, they'll never be able to do the things they want to do, which they were trying to build a tower up to heaven to exalt themselves unto God. So what does he do? He takes that language. And guess what he replaces it with? The languages of the earth today. Go to that next scripture real quick. Check this out. Keep going. Zephaniah 3.9. Oh, it's in the Bible. It's that one where it's stuck together because you never read it. That's, check it out. Zephaniah 3.9. For then, he's talking about a prophecy of the end times when Jesus comes back. And he says, for then I will restore to the people a pure language that they may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. It's interesting. The Holy Spirit shows up on the scene and he gives us back a language. And you think it's nothing. I've had people tell me, well, I just don't really believe I need to pray in tongues. If God wants me to have it, I'll have it. Listen, he shows up on the scene. He starts handing out the spirit of God baptizing the spirit of God. That word baptism comes from baptismo in the Greek. It basically means this to immerse. And what does he do? He leaves people with a prayer language, a prayer language that does what? It restores a pure language so that you and I may call upon the name of the Lord. And I'm going to stop right here, but I'm going to reopen this up next week. But here's what you need to catch today. There's another level for your life. There's another depth to what God has for you. There's more. Tell your neighbor there's more. But it ain't just going to fall upon you. You are going to have to pursue it. You are going to have to go before the Lord and say, God, I'm tired of being lame and mediocre. I'm tired of losing my battles with sin. I'm tired of going back to my old life. I'm tired of dealing with this sexual thing. I'm tired of this porn thing. I'm tired of my attitude. I'm tired of being sick all the time. And we got to tap into the power, which is the ability to produce a desired result. Stand on your feet today. What is it that you desire in your life? What is it that you've been failing at that you want to overcome? The Holy Spirit is the key to giving you the power to produce the desired result. And I'm ashamed to say in America today, the church in many ways is failing at the assignment of elevating the Holy Spirit. We're failing at it. We fail at it many times because people can't wrap their brains around why why it is. What is tongues? What is, you know, laying hands? What is all this? Next week, we're going to get into some of this. You may explain some things. 
and the light bulb is going to go on in your, in your head because the Holy Spirit is going to help you receive this truth. But there are some of you here, things ain't getting better and you know it. It's time to level up. It's time that we do this the way Jesus said to do it. And he said, don't do anything until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Hey everybody, Pastor Sergio here, and we just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Make sure you check us out next week as we continue this series.